Hello and welcome to episode number 86 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. On today's show, we're going to be looking at some information that I learned via another podcast. I know podcasters listening to podcasts, such a novel idea, but this came from one of Adam Curry, the podfathers, the guy who invented this whole podcasting thing. He talked to Dutch data expert, data scientist, Maurice Dehunt, and the information that I got from this conversation, which was close to two hours long, answered a lot of the questions that I've been having that I've mentioned here on Random Thoughts and other places about the data when it comes to COVID-19. And it's interesting because this guy isn't a doctor. He's not a virologist. He's not involved in the medical community, but he knows how to look at data. And he's really, really, really good at parsing this data. But of course, if you're parsing data, about COVID-19, and it's leading to conclusions that don't necessarily go along with what the, let's say, World Health Organization has been spouting off, well, then you're going to be uh, shut up. You're going to be marginalized. You're not going to be allowed on the normal news programs. You're going to be censored when you're on the tweeters and the face bags and those things because freedom of speech doesn't really exist anymore, as we've talked about here on the podcast and over at Grumpy Old Bands, a podcast they do with Ryan Bemrose. The concept that the internet was always going to be free from government control and it would be a place where people could go and share ideas and have a conversation that wasn't censored. It was nice for a little while, but that's not the reality that we're living in now. But this conversation, which I do recommend everybody listen to in its entirety over at curry.com, I wanted to talk about what I've learned and the questions that it's answered for me and where, where I think we're going as a society and a world that is moving on or at least learning to live with the COVID-19 coronavirus. And the first thing that Maurice really got into and his data is impeccable as far as I can tell is the spread of coronavirus of COVID-19. It's a very interesting thing because we've noticed recently the CDC kind of hemming and hawing a little bit as far as it comes to touching surfaces. We know we went back to the big story of Rachel Brummert, the woman that originally said she got it on her groceries, but then found out she got the virus when she went to a pharmacist. The interesting thing there being they believe they traced it down to the keypad at the pharmacy, and Maurice would probably have a problem with that due to the data that he's looked at. And more likely believe she got it while interacting with somebody at the pharmacy. But with that said, he talks extensively about how he believes 
COVID-19 has spread. And the story we've been told up until now and are still being told is that it comes from droplets, which is why we need to wear a mask and which is why we need to stand six feet feet apart because the droplets will fall off after about six feet or so because the droplets are heavy and they don't really stay suspended in the air like an aerosol would. We've talked about some people that went and aerosolized this and proved that it could stay in the air for hours, but we were told, well, that's not the way this virus is really spread and there's a lot of questions about that when looking at the data it seems that the aerosol transmission may actually be the main way that this virus is being transmitted from one person to another and understanding the transmission of a virus or any illness is really the key thing if you don't have a cure or a vaccine. It is really the key information you need in order to keep yourself safe and to keep yourself from either getting the virus or passing it on if you have it to your family and friends. The CDC has been hemming and hawing a little bit when it comes to surfaces. And we were originally told, well, yeah, it's probably not spread that way you know maybe on doorknobs but you really you know you should be careful if you're bringing things into the house like groceries and then that kind of change to there's not really a problem with surfaces but you know still be careful the interesting thing and it's one that i had brought up previously was the concept of outdoor transmission which should be something that The Major League Baseball people are talking about the NFL people should be talking about this. The NASCAR people should be talking about this because their sports rely on gathering big crowds in outdoor stadiums in order to make their money. We know NASCAR right now is racing without fans. Baseball is trying to get a package together to go play without fans. The NFL, on the other hand, is saying, um, unless we're told something different, We plan on packing those stands when our season starts. So that's going to be interesting to watch. But according to the data, Maurice DeHunt said, you're not really seeing any real cases that are proven to be transmitted outdoors. Which then you start asking yourself questions, which is, well, why did you tell everybody to stay inside the house? and not go out for weeks or months on end, that's a valuable and viable question. If it seems to be this data is correct, that transmitting the virus outdoors just really doesn't happen. And then you ask the questions, well, why is that? And Maurice goes on in much more detail than I can. But if it is mainly via aerosol, well, when you breathe, outside those particles are blown every which way because you know wind because the environment which is a completely different thing than being indoors he talked about the meat packing plants as being well really really ripe the perfect environment 
to transmit COVID-19 or any virus really because of the temperatures. And as much as we were told originally this wasn't a seasonal thing, it seems there is definitely a seasonal part to this. But the meatpacking plants are usually very cold in that 35, 45 degrees Fahrenheit and low humidity because of that. And the people are packed in. There's a lot of people in a small area. Ventilation isn't great. And the very cold air and the lack of humidity causes the virus to hang around in the air. Again, because he believes it is spread via aerosol, not really by surfaces, not really by droplets. He said he heard from somebody that built mink farms for a living, which I mean, hey, that's a good living if you can get it, that found over the years that in order to keep cases of sickness down with the animals, that providing an ample supply of fresh air more than anything else to the area kept the viruses down to a minimum. Fresh air has also been proven to reduce plant infections in greenhouse. So getting the fresh air in, having ventilation is key to dissipating the virus from the air. And one of the questions that I've had, and I've asked on this podcast before, and probably on Grumpy Old Ben's as well, was why are there areas where there's somebody sick and the Chinese study that was happened at the beginning of this whole thing that looked at household members, the amount of infections was about 17 to 25 percent of members living in the house with somebody infected. And I'm like, that doesn't seem to make sense. If this virus is really, really, really catchy. If it's that virulent that it's very contagious, how come on the high end, about a fourth of the people living with somebody that has COVID-19 get it? How come not 50%? How come not 75%? Why such a small percentage? And Maurice talked about this. Again, it's because of the aerosol transmission. He said specifically, if this was droplets and if this was surfaces, you would have a much higher rate of people in the same household that were infected because you're touching the same things, sharing bathrooms or something like that, which is why the CDC was right on when they said if somebody in your household has COVID while you're doing your self-isolating, don't share a bathroom because that would be a big part of the surface transmission. But Maurice talked about this, and it's if it, it makes sense that this is an aerosolized virus, which is why that you're seeing this in certain areas of the world. One, we know in the winter here in the United States, when this whole thing really hit, we're finally getting warmer weather here just outside of Chirac. And the humidity in the house now here, with the air conditioning on, because it's been hitting like 90 degrees all of a sudden. That's Chicago. It goes from like 40 degrees to like 90 degrees. But the humidity in the house now is at a comfortable like 43 to 45%. Even running, you know, the little humidifiers throughout the winter 
that number drops quite a bit. It's not uncommon to see numbers in the 20% range running humidifiers all the time. I mean, you're lucky if you get to that 30, 33%, and that's a little bit low, and it puts it in the range where viruses can stay in the air longer because, again, if they're aerosolized, that really low humidity allows the virus to hang around longer, which makes sense. When you look at even things like the flu, which Maurice does in his data, that says this kind of makes sense. It is spread through the air. And when the humidity is low, this is why there's a flu season when it is in the United States and in other parts of the world. You can track it by the weather and the humidity. There is a new push for buildings now to saying that the humidity should always be kept in that 40 to 60% range in order to minimize these types of viruses, this type of transmission. And it seems to make a lot of sense, at least to me. The seasonal patterns of influenza, Maurice talked about, that's been studied for over 80 years, yet nobody has come up with a real good answer about why the flu seasons are when they are but his data to me starts to explain this the same way as with the covid is that the transmission as we talked about not really been known to happen outdoors so where is it happening it's happening indoors where people have a lower humidity people are closer to each other and the concept also is how much time you're spending with somebody which also means it explains why maybe only 25% of the people that live with somebody that has COVID are getting it. It's because they're doing their best to avoid them, but the whole house, this isn't spreading from room to room. You need to be in the very same area, the same room, the same small area with somebody that has it for an extended period of time, which also says if you're just going to the grocery store or something like that, Having a small communication with somebody, having a small contact with somebody that maybe lasts, you know, one or two minutes, you're probably at a minimal risk as compared to if this was somebody you know and you were sitting in the same room talking for two hours, that risk goes way up. And the data is actually pretty cut and dry verifying these theories. I read a few of the articles on Maurice's website talking about what he looked at. And let me quote here. When it comes to transmitting the virus, it says, quote, there are various studies that show that the contamination takes place much more indoors than outdoors. A score of one out of 350 is reported in China and one out of 20 in Japan. In his research in Heisberg, Professor Streck found that the vast majority of the infections had also taken place indoors. So varying areas are saying, I mean, you never know if you're going to believe the stuff coming out of China, but China's saying about one in 350. Japan, who you trust maybe a lot more, one out of 20. And that is a very small percentage that is being traced back to outdoor transmission. 
which again, something that Major League Baseball, NFL, these guys might want to be looking at when it comes to this particular data and how this is being transmitted is very important. He did talk about, Maurice did, a soccer team where a bunch of fans were infected in a basically a super spreading event. And he said, the thing you have to remember is these people traveled about 100 miles to see the game. They were in buses together. They were eating in small restaurants together. They were staying together. So this doesn't necessarily prove a lot of people say, well, see a bunch of people that were at this soccer match got infected. It can spread outdoors. Not necessarily the case. This is why the data is very important. And you look at things like, well, how do they get to the soccer match? Where do they eat? Uh, He did say a big deal when it comes to things like outdoor stadiums would be there are bathrooms. When you go to the bathroom, that's inside. A lot of people in a small area, bad ventilation. It can hang in the air very easily spread. So this isn't a clear cut and case dry where you can say, well, it's fine. Go start playing games and having people show up for outdoor events. But you're going a long way towards that if you can take care of the areas that have some semblance of being inside like bathrooms are and making sure a ventilation system is in place or an air filtering system is in place. I'm surprised not one person I've ever heard talk about air filters in the home being something that people should maybe be running. There are a lot of these things that have HEPA filters, which take very small particles out of the air. There are ones that have UV lights in them as the air passes through. They're sterilized and UV light has been proven to take care of the coronavirus. I mean, I'm not a medical expert. I'm not giving you any medical advice here, but it may behoove you to have an air purifier, especially in case somebody in the household gets it. It would be a most likely helpful thing to have. But looking at how many of these things are traced back to indoors and outdoors, there seems to be a very clear correlation. Then he talked about, in another one of these articles, the household member saying, quote, at least four studies by COVID-19 show that housemates of a patient are much less infected than you would expect. In these four studies, we see percentages between 5 and 35%. So again, that's people living with somebody that have COVID between 5 and 35% catch the disease. He says that's a vast majority of household members who were not infected, but that's actually completely illogical. After all, within a household, the 1.5 meter, six foot distance would be observed much less, especially when it isn't known yet that the patient's uh, contagious or even has the disease. So yes, this is starting to make again more sense that this is an aerosolized thing, and this is why people, even in the same household, aren't necessarily infected because, you know, I mean, the kids are off on their own. They're upstairs. You're usually, you know, parents and kids, especially if they're teenagers, not in the same room for more than like 20 minutes at a time. And that is probably why the household rate is so low. He talked about also the choir rehearsals, and there were two of these that had super spreader events. Again, quoting on March 10th, A choir rehearsal of 60 men took place near Seattle. 
They kept to the six foot distance. They did not touch each other and they used disinfectants. Three weeks later, 75% of them were infected and some were dead. Similar figures, which we also see in a choir in Amsterdam, also 75% sick and some dead, but they did not hold to the six foot distance. Now, this is interesting because it's showing there's really no difference in staying six feet apart because the virus, if it's aerosolized, it doesn't know a six feet bubble. Sorry. And it shows that if you're in a room with a bunch of people like these choir practices, probably not good ventilation, people singing which when you sing or speak loudly, so if I get it, everybody around me is getting it. It sends more of the virus into the air. So these choirs, it didn't matter if you were using disinfectants. It didn't matter if you were staying six feet apart. It didn't matter if you were doing everything right. 75% got infected because of the fact that this spreads, it seems like, via an aerosol. And the data, again, doesn't lie. The data is the data. The data is showing what happened and what Maurice DeHaunt is doing. He is a data expert, not a doctor. And he's making some conclusions that seem to make absolute perfect sense to me, as well pointing out that the super spreader events are happening when people are in an area together for an extended period of time, like these choir rehearsals. So again, a short conversation, a short interaction with somebody, no matter where it is, you're probably okay. If you're outside, you're almost certainly okay. It's only when you have extended contact with somebody that's infected and you breathe in enough of the virus. This isn't something where if you get one little piece of a virus, you know, one little strand, you're probably not getting sick, or if you do, this may explain why some people completely asymptomatic and don't even know they have the virus, where it's also possible that getting a big viral load right up front, which you would have if you were in one of these rooms with the choir, would explain why so many people were infected and people passed away due to it. He also looked at the same case with the cruise ships and the naval ships saying, you know, the ventilation, stuff like that. This is why it explains the infections there. And then he looked at Africa and India, although he had some concerns about India still being a little bit further down the road because of the seasonality of this. But speaking of Africa and India, he says, quote, we repeatedly see footage of poor countries in Africa and refugee camps on television. Also, how it goes in India. People who live shack by shanty and shanty by shanty. Even keeping a distance of 50 centimeters would be difficult there. For two months, it's been threateningly saying, if it's going to erupt here, it's going to be a disaster. But that disaster didn't happen. Not on Lesvos, not in Africa. In India, there are now 2,000 deaths out of a population of more than 1.3 billion, which again, this is pointing back to the fact that ventilation is key. Fresh air is key. 
being outdoors is key. And to show you just the deep dive that he was doing, there's a place called Manaus, and it had an outbreak that started around March 19th, and he couldn't figure out why. He said he knew something must have happened between March 12th and March 15th. And he went looking for it. And at first, absolutely nothing showed up. There were no major events, nothing obvious that was pointed to. And then he looked at the weather and he saw that on Saturday, March 14th, there was a massive rainstorm in the morning and realized that that was probably the answer. He said his wife's from Cuba, her family's there, they go to Cuba all the time. And he understands that a lot of people live in a house, but the windows are usually open. You got a cross breeze. There is a lot of ventilation. He's like, what don't you have in the middle of a rainstorm? Ventilation. Everybody runs inside. They usually unplug televisions, fans, and things like that if it's an electrical storm and often close the window. Even if you don't close the window, you have basically a wall of rain around the house anyway. So what you have with a rainstorm in a tropical climate like this, everybody runs inside, they spend time together, there's no ventilation, and again, the data doesn't lie. The data is what it is. Can I guarantee that's how this happened? That's what happened here? No. But the data is the data, and you make of it what you can. But this does seem to explain it to me. Now, Maurice has his takeaway on this whole thing, and that is, quote, the transmission of influenza and COVID-19 is almost entirely via aerosols. You breathe them in, and with that, the virus enters your body. You have to be exposed to it for a certain period of time because otherwise you won't be infected or you won't get sick from it. It's some truly interesting stuff. And again, I recommend everybody go over to curry.com and check out the whole interview and the other things that Maurice had to say, because the guy knows his stuff. There's no doubt about it. And it's amazing that it takes a guy that is a data expert, not a doctor, to be able to look at all this and so far has made the most sense out of all of this COVID-19 stuff than anybody else that I've listened to, anybody else that I've read their theories of. And it's something that just to understand, even if you don't believe anything he's saying, check out the data and then just tell him where he's wrong because I'm not seeing anywhere he is wrong. And this explains a whole lot of stuff to me. But hey, I'm just an idiot podcaster, so I could be wrong. On a somber note, I wanted to mention the passing of a family friend. His name was Maury. He passed away at the age of 97, not from COVID, from cancer, not COVID. He was a Holocaust survivor, a guy who never spoke about it, was a very sweet guy, a very soft-spoken guy. My dad has known him for years. They were in the same industry, and Maury was a salesperson that uh, could only be described as a truly dapper guy. Didn't believe in any of this new stuff when people started wearing polo shirts and stuff like that to call on clients. He was a guy that always wore a suit and tie. And when my dad got sick, was in the hospital for months with the infection that almost killed him. Uh, Maury was always calling to check on him. I think he uh, 
really looked at him as the young guy and my dad's, you know, about 80 now. And, uh, but Maury looked at him as the young guy and wanted to make sure he was okay and was just a guy who thought about others seemingly much more than he thought about himself. But he and his wife, who's still alive, 95, up until recently, were going to the health club nearly daily. So, I mean, that helps. That's one thing. Stay physically fit, people. Keep your mind going. He was a guy that read everything he can get his hands on. He wasn't an internet guy, which probably helps with your mental sanity to not have to deal with the garbage that's on the internet. He and his wife did move from the Chicago area to New Jersey just last year in order to be closer to their daughter that lives out there. My wife, anytime she would see a card, would send it to him, whether it was for the Jewish holidays, for his birthday, or for just nothing. Because, you know, as she says, you know, you're not on the Internet, you're moving to a new place. Everybody likes to get mail. That's what my wife says. I don't. I mean, there's usually bills and stuff like that. But my wife was really good about keeping in touch, sending him cards. And a few months back, my wife sent him a card for something. And my mom told me the one day, well, Maury is going to be calling you. They really liked the card. And sure enough, Maury called and he asked how I was doing. He asked about my eye surgeries, which my mom obviously kept him very well versed on. And he said to me, you know, hey, you got time. You're a young guy. And normal people telling me I'm a young guy. I mean, I don't feel all that young anymore at 50. But when a guy that's 97 is telling you, okay, I get it. I'm still young. I still have time, I hope. And I listened to Maury, just a very sweet guy. He asked my wife how she was doing, how business is, and all of this, how my dad's doing, and thanked us profusely for the card for whatever it was. And what I'll take away is the last thing I remember Maury telling us, and that was, take care of each other. Such good advice, such simple advice. Rest in peace, sir. Thanks for making the world a better place. And thanks to all of you for taking another journey with us here on the Random Thoughts podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, do me a favor and go over to randomthoughts.com, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com, and click one of those subscribe buttons. You can even get the new episodes via email every time one launches so you don't miss a thing. And if you really like what you're hearing here, we do work on the value for value model. Go over to randomthoughts.com, click that donate button. Find our P.O. Box address or send us some Bitcoin. So until next time, do take care of each other. I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening.